when I first watched it, I was like, I kind of think I know what this is about. And then I had to read all these essays about it. Yeah. And watching it the second time, I'm like, oh, I have a very solid understanding of what this is about. But it does feel like like a like a sexy little secret that like not all the audience <laughs> walk away with. <laughs> well, I'm curious to see now what the sexy little secret is. <laughs> Welcome. To season two of Matt Makes Zack Watch Horror Movies. Now you may notice a drop in audio quality compared to previous episodes. You see, Matt has fallen into the twilight zone and can only communicate through the ether. But, frayed not, dear listener. You are still in store for all the same dreadful jokes, eerie impressions, and terrifying trivia. So, sit back, enjoy the show. to Matt Makes Zack Watch Horror Movies. I'm Matt. And I'm Zach. And normally I make Zack Watch a horror movie, but uh, this week we're joined by a very special guest. Yeah, today we are joined by my friend and amazing filmmaker, Leland. <laughs> Yay. Hi. So Leland, do you want to tell the people who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Leland, um, and I am a filmmaker. Um most recently, actually, I made a short called Black Cat in a Dark Room, which is a horror film, not unlike Suspiria, actually, which is one of the reasons I was like, this could be a fun thing for us all to watch. Um, yeah, and I I have a very interesting relationship with horror because for a long time, I it stressed me out too much. And only recently have I kind of like sunk into really appreciating it as a genre. Yeah, I, I was like, you know, what? I want to let Leland talk about like being a filmmaker in a short because i'll probably ruin yeah. it <laughs> so good job you killed it great the shorts really good you can watch it on youtube right alter yeah on alter yeah it's really good i watched it it's it's about another girl gang that dances too does <laughs> that dances too. Oh, a little bit of that dance horror action <laughs> yeah <laughs> dance horror a very specific subgenre niche <laughs> but it's always good <laughs> yeah which we've watched many of at this point. <laughs> yeah. Have you really? Well, like watching this movie, I was like, oh, this is like Climax and the Witch, like combined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the way, right. Yeah. Also kind of dance horror at the tail end, right? Yeah. Um, so what what made you start appreciating horror? Um, well, it's funny because I think that actually because I always had such a visceral reaction to it like that was sort mm. of my way of processing the fact that i'm really affected by it so ultimately i came to realize like hey i think you're really affected by this because you're really interested in it like um 
you know, like in college, we tried to watch, well, not tried to watch, we did watch The Strangers as like a group. And like everyone was sitting on the couch and I was just like frantically pacing in the background and everyone would be like, can you just like calm down and come watch it? And I'd be like, no, she doesn't know that they're in the house. You can see them in the door. She doesn't see them in the door. And everyone was like, chill out. And when I was um, finishing up my grad program, like I hadn't, I hadn't done very much genre work before, but I was like, Hey, I have this idea about these, like sort of spoiler. The short that I made was about vampires. I was like, they're vampires. And they like, they're sort of like witches too. And they're like killing people. And so like, I started to like develop it. And as I developed it, I had to just like watch a lot of horror films to kind of like figure out what the story was. Um, and that mm. made me really start to like, horror especially like the term elevated genre is thrown around a lot which i think is sort of silly but you know like suspiria or like um hereditary or like midsummer you know like they are like beautiful films in yeah. addition to being like spooky yeah elevated horror is one of those terms that i hate but i'm also like i got nothing better to call it so like yeah. <laughs> until we come up with something better guys like someone get on that yeah <laughs> Dang, that was like the coolest origin story for getting into horror that yeah. I've had on the podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, I just I want to go make a movie, so you know. Well, and it's funny like, too, because like coming out of school, because the short luckily did really well, and so everyone was like, "So, like, what other horror scripts do you have?" And I was like, "Well, I have like a mom daughter dramedy," and they're like, "No." <laughs> so then I had to <laughs> even go deeper, like down the rabbit hole, to sort of like start generating other material. I mean, hey, that's. One thing we've learned from, or at least I've learned from watching all these, like every big director ends up starting with a horror movie. Yeah. It's, it's the genre, it's the only genre with a built-in audience, no matter what. Like, Yeah. So get, get that horror movie out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. <laughs> yeah, I liked your short because it was like... I was very confused at first, yeah. but I knew something bad was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Just like this horror movie. Just like this one. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's like characters and stuff that I was like, oh, that's my favorite character. I want to spin off of that character now. And yeah. Like you fit all that into a short, which is awesome. Oh, I was super influenced by Suspiria, which at the time I didn't even like recognize, you know? But like. Oh, yeah. Now that I've seen it, I could totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's always the interesting thing with art, right? Like looking back and seeing, yeah. like, oh. Hey, <laughs> and it's funny because even watching this movie the second time i was like oh yeah i think i love this movie even if it is confusing and zany and like parts of it are like a little wild <laughs> yeah yeah this uh <laughs> this was a movie <laughs> this was a movie <laughs> you definitely can't take that away from it uh <laughs> <laughs> shall we hop into yeah let's do it now. i think we should yeah all right, the first thing we like to do here, uh, Leland, Zach, did you like the movie? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's was, a fair answer, because the first yeah. time I watched it, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, literally, like, I, I just couldn't stop thinking about it for, like, three days, and I was like, do I love this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I like that it kind of like makes you be like, do I love it? Did I really hate it? Yeah. See, I felt that way about Climax. I don't think I'll feel that way about this one. Hmm. 
it because climax there's like cool stuff that i could get attached to and be like dang that was awesome think back on this was like i don't like all the gore and like just creepy witch stuff like isn't my thing i guess i i think all that stuff is like the least interesting things about this movie though i agree yeah like all the stuff that i connect with and like couldn't stop thinking about is as much as i love you know a good head explosion of which there are many (laughs) thank goodness uh, you know like it's sort of like we were talking about Jaws, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, the least interesting thing about Jaws is all the stuff with the shark. It's all about, like, watching him talk to his family or, like, these broken men going out on a ship. Like, that's how I feel about this is it's like, oh, well, it's not about witches. It's about, like, interpersonal relationships and, like, post-war Germany. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, like, weirdly, the Nuremberg trials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See all that stuff just like went over my head because I'm a I'm a young boy idiot. So I, just, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's happening, but creepy witch stuff, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> this this also felt structurally similar to Midsummer, to where it's like, mm-hmm. what creepy cult thing is gonna happen today? What creepy dance witch thing is going to happen today? Like over and over again. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I was talking to Zach about how when I first watched it, I was like, I kind of think I know what this is about. And then I had to read all these essays about it. Yeah. And watching it the second time, I'm like, oh, I have a very solid understanding of what this is about. But it does feel like like a like a sexy little secret that like not all the audience <laughs> walk away with. Well, I'm curious to see now what the sexy little secret is. <laughs> I I don't know if I want to know the sexy little secret. <laughs> yeah, this this was it was a fun watch though because I feel like some of them I gone with expectations or I could see where it's going. This I had no idea the whole time. It was just like unfolding in front of me. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was fun. It does move fast too, you know, like it two and a half hours. But like when you're like, oh, we're already an hour in. Like I think the first half in particular, because you're sort of kept so in the dark, you're like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Yeah, it did fly by. I did not feel the two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm the king on this podcast of saying every movie should be 90 minutes. I agree. Uh, <laughs> but you have to just like earn that time. And this movie really earns it by like keeping the pace moving and showing you something you've never seen, like every 20 minutes or so. And just doing such a good job with the characters. Yeah. It, it earns being two and a half hours. Like, yeah. Yeah. Unlike like, you know, most like for some reason now, like every Marvel movie is two and a half hours. And I'm like, those could be 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a made for TV movie length. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think it's time to really dive deep here so we got to start off with zach spoiling the movie for everyone zach how fast can you summarize this movie not fast at all <laughs> fair enough ready set go oh god okay act one hit girl in therapy talking about witches some old, and then we cut some old farm and not to be rude but that lady's wheezing was making it very hard to eat my count chocolate <laughs> and then dakota yeah. johnson time she's got big paper money from everybody's favorite smash bros character meta knight 
She's trying out for the dance squad without music, which makes me wildly uncomfortable. Then, ah, Tilda Swinton jump scare. Little Miss Ohio Dakota is in the dance squad. Act two. Old Man Swinton is very sad. Oh, yeah, the, the old man is totally Tilda Swinton. I, I, oh, damn I, it. I, I, uh, I was hoping for a reveal. I know. <laughs> um, Little Miss Ohio is having a very crazy first day in dance club. One girl straight up bounces, calling them all witches. Maybe don't do that, or else you're going to end up in a creepy mirror room getting fucked up by wild dance spells that's going to make it really hard to, for me to finish my Count Chocula. <laughs> the witch ladies then hook her up, uh, take her off somewhere, and Little Miss Ohio killed it, literally. So she's in now. Uh, and then nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. Act three now. Uh, Little Miss Ohio and her BFF sneak into somewhere looking for info on where Patricia went. Uh, but then she sees the witches playing Tickle the Pickle with meat hooks, and I did not like that. Uh, Little Miss Ohio has another wild dance. Turns out Till Swin and witch ladies want to sacrifice her or something. I have no idea what's happening. Uh, then Nightmare, Nightmare, Nightmare. Uh, I'm never going to finish my Count Chocula. Act 4. Uh, old Man Swinton goes to the police who said they saw nothing because, you know, witches be on their bullshit. Uh, so he tries talking to one of the dance girls, BFFs, uh, who was like, nah, don't even talk to me. Uh, Little Miss Ohio does some jumping jacks with Tilda Swinton. Uh, one of the lady witches just stabs herself in the middle of dinner. It's getting wild. Uh, dance girl BFF then goes searching for secret rooms, being as loud as humanly possible. Uh, sees some shit that she shouldn't see, takes some shit that she shouldn't take, and then goes to Old Man Swinton. And, uh, uh-oh, no, no one knows where she's at. Act 5, it's dance time. They got creepy string outfits, and there's totally a hex on the ground. But wait, Dance Girl, uh, is in the basement for whatever reason, went back after seeing the shit she shouldn't see, and finds nightmares. And, uh, <laughs> she gets hypnotized back into the creepy witch dance. And then she messes it up and ruins their witch shit. Act 6! Uh, at this point, I had to go pee so bad, so it is all clear. But I needed to ask my mom for a permission slip, because this part gets freaky. Uh, classic Ari Aster final act, weird naked cult shit. Uh, fake old man gets debated by the witches into their sex dungeon. Turns out Lil Miss Ohio uh, knew she was joining the girl gang to become a vessel for Job of the Hut the whole time. Uh, Job of the Hut then four snaps... Tilda Swinton's neck off. Uh, surprise! Little Miss Ohio was ancient witch lady the entire time and gets tall, dark, and handsome to explode everyone's heads uh, to make her mom number one, and then they party. Um, old Man Swinton then is just sent on his merry way. And then epilogue, I guess, because now this movie will never end. Uh, girl Gang remembers nothing. Tilda Swinton is still alive, I guess? Uh, Big Miss Ohio Witch then goes back to Old Man Swinton to tell him how his wife died and erases memory, which is nice, I guess. The end, all in all, weird choice for a prologue to Doctor Strange. Uh, <laughs> and somehow that all happened. The end. All right, three minutes and 53 seconds. That was actually not your longest summary. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that 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 still goes to trick or treat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was probably the longest one. That's so funny. <laughs> and pretty good, actually. I was like, yeah, this is a good yeah, summary. It solid. It was, it was definitely one of your more straightforward ones. I thought you'd have way more trouble with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
the ones I have trouble with are when I don't take notes or write down my jokes oh. as we're watching the movie, and it's all just a so mess. So I started yeah. taking notes. <laughs> surprisingly more straightforward than my Candyman summary <laughs> because I could not oh, write gosh. notes in a movie theater. Well, that's fair. That's, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's dive in guys. I yeah. mean, we open with that Tom York score. Uh, I'm all about it. Uh, Tom York's a genius. I'm a huge Radiohead fan. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can never remember how to say the director's name. I always say Luca Gaga Gaga Gaga, but like, yeah. he like, <laughs> Um, <laughs> I like and call me by your name. He was like, Sufjan, you're just gonna do all of the music, right? And he's yeah. like, sure. And then this he was like, Tom, you're just gonna do all the music, right? And he's like, mm-hmm, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Leland decided to drop that in the middle of the movie that the guy who did call me by my name went on to do this. Yeah. <laughs> That's a 180. His, his follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. This is his blank check movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, you can do Star Wars, or you you can do this. Right. I'm gonna do this. <laughs> I think he made the right choice. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think Tom York is such an interesting choice for so many reasons for the score, um, especially in relation to the old one where um, the band Goblin, who are like a weird prog rock band, do the whole score. Mm-hmm. So then, like, getting like. Radiohead are like the closest thing we still have to like a prog rock band. <laughs> like, so being like, oh, yeah, you come do it is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I just love the song. I, I put the songs on like all the time when I'm just driving around. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Imagining what a creepy dance girl gang you're going to join next. Yeah. That's my goal in life, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so funny to just like, casually be rocking out to the Suspiria soundtrack. I mean, I was casually rocking out to the Climax soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. It's a common thing. Yeah. I I also prefer the girl gang and the witch uh, because they they just uh, supported each other in Black Phillip and uh, didn't explode each other's heads. No, they deserve those exploding heads in this one, though. Yeah, it's funny because I was re- the thing I was reading about it was talking about how it's the movie is like um, a fable about like false like demagogues, which is why it's set like kind of close to after World War Two because like old Jabba the Hutt thinks that she's this like incarnation <laughs> of this deity, and so she's like making everyone pick her, but then she's it's it's fake. She's just in it for vanity, and so like that's like a simile to like Hitler and you know, the guilt of like being complicit in World War II is also the guilt of these women being complicit in this like new demagogue, which is why she has to like explode all of their heads. Yeah. Well, because there's a, like a throwaway line where somebody says like, oh, well, Marcos has been telling us all that she's Mother Suspirium. Mm-hmm. So that's why like when she comes back, she's like, well, I'm actually God. So uh, yeah, <laughs> if you don't mind. I see all of that went completely over my head. <laughs> I did not understand any of that. I was like, <laughs> she looks like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> was yeah. Hey, Zach, do you know who played her? Uh, Tilda Swinton? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Three Tildes for the price of one. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Well, and it's funny because they all had, she made up like, fake names for both of them so like in the credits there's you know yeah different actors are credited right yeah yeah it's like angela murda tamana 
and it's like now it's just Tilda Swinton. Well, I know through the doctor they committed to the bit of like, no, it's a different actor yeah. for like a long time. Yeah. Like people in the movie didn't know it was Tilda Swinton because she would come to set and make up. if you if you guys didn't ask me if i knew what the actor was i would not have picked up on it Ah, damn (laughs) i know do you know who this is zach are you sure it's just so exciting (laughs) i couldn't not (laughs) well because i was like trying to think i was like i don't recognize this person at all but then i was like Oh, it's Tilda Swin, isn't it? The more like screen time, like yeah. especially it was when she was having dinner with uh w- the girl's BFF and like was really talking and showing her close up. I was like, oh, that's Tilda yeah. Swin. That's <laughs> that's T Swin. It's T Swin. I appreciate though that they didn't like do any like voice modulation to her or anything, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, because that would have been so distracting. That yeah, that also clued me in because like from the beginning, I was like, "There's something off about the yeah. voice. I don't know what it is, but I just figured it was like ADR or something." Well, it's also the weird makeup. Like, why aren't their lips moving all the way? Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> they're moving under the mask, but not you know. <laughs> that's just that's just Till Swift. Yeah, that was, that was just an acting choice. <laughs> what happened it's all blurry now well that dakota johnson we got to see like the the glimpses of like her life before the dance academy which i Mm -hmm. think is really interesting that she was in like a super religious place and she just goes to another super religious place but now she's like the head of it is kind of interesting because she's so like bottom of the totem pole in her family it seems like yeah i i know nothing about Mennonites, so that's why I just read a Meta Knight joke. <laughs> Wait, were they Mennonites or were they Amish? Is Mennonites? They oh, said okay. it on her envelope. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because I read it and I was like, "Is that a Pokemon?" <laughs> that was my first thought. <laughs> I was like, "It sounds like a Pokemon," <laughs> but but yeah, the. I like that they gave like hints of that, especially with her mom. And like, I guess she was born to be witch Satan or whatever. Yeah. Mm. But it's this interesting thing of like, how much does she know before the end of the movie is interesting yeah. to mm. think about. Like, is she fully aware or like, cause she's still like, I've always been drawn to Berlin, but like, she doesn't do cool witch shit like when her mom hits her. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's right when they're at dinner that like it kind of fully sinks in. Okay. Or, or or actually maybe like the, the Vogue dance that like, that would make sense. Yeah. I think that she's the one who, cause she sees her friend is like enchanted. So she's the one who like makes her friend like scream out and then collapse. Yeah. She's like, Sorry, I went off book when they're doing their like mind talk. <laughs> Wait, who who was tall, dark, and handsome at the end? Who's that supposed to be? Just some creepy thing? I think, like death, like an incarnation of death. Uh, yeah, like she has summoned she, like, has him. Control over. Yeah, because yeah. that's why they're all shocked when that dude shows up. Is because he was not supposed to be there. Like, because I was like, wait, is that? like the og old witch lady and 
Dakota Johnson is just like the vessel at this point. Oh, that's that interesting. Be, yeah. Yeah. So they're like, oh shit, it's really her or something like that. It's like her and her avatar. Because there, there was one image that had Dakota Johnson with her head down and the hair covering her and she's in this red dress. And that's the same position yeah. that later the like the the like demony figure takes to on the ground. So maybe that is like Mother Superiorum's like true form and yeah, the OG. Yeah, I like that. And then Dakota <laughs> just sort of like her, <laughs> her avatar or something. Yeah, May, maybe I'm not dumb. Maybe I did figure something out. <laughs> you earned that Count Chocula sack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I forgot to say. At the end of the summary, I was going to be like, and my Count Chocula is soggy now, so <laughs> oh. I'll never finish it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I prefer uh, all the creepy dancing to sick uh, French house beats, like in Climax, <laughs> not to no music whatsoever, because that was unsettling. <laughs> No, I was just I think you're right. It is it is definitely unsettling like like by design though. Like yeah. they know cuz <laughs> the sound design in this movie is like incredible. Yeah. And all you can hear is them hitting the ground. Oh, I went to like a performance undergrad program um and it was a lot like this movie. <laughs> Weirdly comforted. I was like there are teachers like that. This is the dynamic. <laughs> So, so it's a good thing you didn't decide to get into dance instead yeah. of film. <laughs> or is I it? Like, I mean, he could be leading a whole witch cult right now. I could be. Right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you... <laughs> I was like, people do just randomly start crying and quit in mm-hmm. the middle of the program. And then you never see them and again, weirdly. never see them again, yeah. I think we're realizing some things that we shouldn't be <laughs> Are we in a witch cult? <laughs> So, so much happened. I'm like trying to replay it in my head. Um, I like her audition scene. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that they're so mean to her until Tilda Swinton shows up. And then there's like a turn. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, if she mm-hmm. likes her, then all of a sudden all the teachers are like, oh, hi. Hey, we're just so glad yeah. you're here. <laughs> I mean, Tilda Swinton was very terrifying <laughs> in the beginning. Like she, she got less terrifying over the course of the movie, but those first couple of T Swin jump scares got me. I know. I just wrote Tilda exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> but what's cool, one of the things I really like is that like the relationship between Tilda, like between Blanc and Marcos is like cool. You know, that she's like the protege, but then like Marcos is sort of like fading out and but there's like jealousy there and resentment and it's kind of like mother daughtery. Yeah. Was was Marcos job of the hut? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I never remember any <laughs> any names from movies. <laughs> there's also so many names in this movie. There's like you know, there's like yeah. thirty characters, forty characters, like main characters that you spend a lot of time with. Um Susie, Sarah, Samantha, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Olga. But what's cool too, I think, is that like, you know, it's um like because if the theme is sort of like this horrible thing happened, right? Which in this case is the Holocaust, and it's like 40 years later and you're trying to figure out like how to move past it, you know, it's kind of like Marcos is the mom, Blanc is the daughter, and they're trying to figure out how to move past their like their guilt too, and like 
Blanc gets to be like a nicer mom than Marcos was kind of, you know? And so yeah. it's sort of like a progression, which mm. I think is really interesting. It's about like breaking cycles of violence in a weird way through violence is what I think this movie is trying to say. <laughs> through tearing out intestines and exploding heads. Yeah, Zach, how else would yeah. you do it? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It kind of is advocating for like purges and coups where they're like <laughs> and then you'll be fine. Yeah, because I'm like as you're saying this, I'm trying to replay the movie in my head of like, alright, yeah. where did that go over my head? <laughs> Because there's also, like, the subplot about, you know, like, he was married to his wife, and he was not Jewish, but she was Jewish. And when, like, things were starting to go bad, he didn't get her out of Germany in time, which is why she was put in oh, camp. Oh, breaks my heart. Yeah, I know. That last scene is actually so sad. But, like, I think that that's really, in a weird way, kind of, like, a nice way to end it, where she's like, you know, I'm going to forgive you and, like shame and guilt are important to not repeat the past but like you don't have to remember all of this stuff and so she just like takes those memories away that part my caveman brain did kick in because <laughs> she said a man named burger and that's all i could focus on this beautiful <laughs> moving scene about like forgiving yourself in the pain of the Holocaust, and you're like, ah, she said burger. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang, this is moving this is sad. Then <laughs> suddenly it's just the hamburglar that you're thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of like dancing out into the snow. <laughs> the hamburglar is behind it the whole time. Yeah, she was killed by the hamburglar. Oh, <laughs> that's that's what I choose to believe. <laughs> but yes, that, that that scene was very deeply <laughs> moving and sad. And your takeaway was <laughs> <laughs> a man named Burger. <laughs> hey, man, you know Leland. I'm looking for a new podcast co-host. Yeah, you do it later. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, because isn't like isn't that a, a real German name? Yeah. But it's not like Burger. Is it like Berger? Or like something no, it's, it's like B E R G E R. Uh, yeah, my brother-in-law's Hornburger. Well, <laughs> you guys, you, you guys go back to the movie. I'm gonna need it. <laughs> so another, <laughs> another thing I really liked was that I didn't clock the, f the first time I watched it, but the second time is that when they go back to his like little country cabin, um, I think someone is on a cell phone and I think the train has been updated. And I think that the point is that like a significant amount of time has passed. Right. Or did I project oh. that? Oh, like the very, very end. Yeah. The very, very end. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's supposed to like zoom in that you don't really see it at first, but that heart is still there. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of nice. And then our, our coda at the end, which explains it all. That yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The the classic Marvel post credit scene where it's just Dakota Johnson and then she walks away <laughs> explaining nothing. <laughs> the first time I saw it I was like, What the hell is this? But then the second time I was like, Oh, she's like this was my interpretation for whatever reason. I was like, She's using her magic to like 
point us in the right direction, maybe in an optimistic interpretation. Okay. Cause like the scene we've just seen, it's like present and like, like there's like kids and it's sort of like rebirth and then we're going back. And I think it's like, Oh, she like helped build this sort of like maybe better world a little bit. No, <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Well, that's also like a, a, a big theme. It seems like in this movie is like the witches that she winds up killing are all like cruel. Yeah. Versus like her and Tilda Swinton who are like, well, yeah, we, we have like these, these powers and this ability, but that gives us like a responsibility. Yeah. And we don't take it lightly. Yeah. Whereas they're all like, Oh, we just, again, getting back to talking about like, you know, metaphors with Nazi Germany, like, Oh, well we just want power. And it seems like, like Dakota Johnson, like it's like, well, but power, power comes with something, you know, you, you can't yeah. power for the sake of power is pointless. It makes yeah. you cruel, you know? Yeah, it's like vanity, which is also kind yeah. of like, you know, art for the sake of art is not as impactful as art that's trying to do something, which I think is also sort of like a little maybe sub theme. Yeah. Oh, the okay, so I just Googled the postcard scene to see like what reads of it. This is an interesting take. Um it's Dakota Johnson reaching out to the camera as if she's caressing you like your face Uh, because it's how she like erased the memory of uh old man swinton oh okay that's cool and how she controls her fellow dancers so i guess it's like to make you forget the movie or yeah yeah yeah, because you've seen too much yeah For, for uh, this article says for a split second you might just forget that it's a movie and wonder if Susie used her demonic powers on you to erase the whole movie you just watched from your memory huh that's kind of neat I like that <laughs> that means it was all real oh man now I have more to think about I thought I had a handle on this but <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool like the mythology is actually kind of cool and I guess what happened was it's not very present in the original Suspiria and then Argento did two other movies, like not that long ago, like in 2007. And I think it may be like, yeah, one of them is good. And one of them is like very bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're about the three mothers. Like there's Suspiria. It's like size, tears and darkness. Yeah. And so um, it's the other two. I hope Lady Gaga here remakes the other two as well. <laughs> Uh, Luca Guadag- oh, uh, Lady Gaga was involved in this? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, so- <laughs> I wish. <laughs> that would be cool. I mean, I, I think because there's, there's kind of, I mean, this sounds like nerdy, but there is a lot of cool stuff to these like sort of like three deities and like they each have their own thing. Yeah. And, like, I think that that's really neat. Well, and like even the way this yeah. this movie is structured plays with that because it's kind of three stories. It's the story of the Dance Academy. Yeah. It's the story of Dakota Johnson, and it's the story of uh, Old Man Tilda Swinton. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the way that they intersect, and I feel like that structure could be taken and applied to any of these movies and kind of mm-hmm. plot wise plus them up. Like there's so much room to do something with it because. I know that Suspiria isn't technically a giallo, but it's made in the giallo style, which is, who cares about the plot? It looks really cool. Yeah. 
for the original and that's how the two sequels are as well yeah so i i really feel like there, there's so much room to explore even if it just keeps making dario argento mad i don't really care so <laughs> was he mad uh, he wasn't mad uh but he has because he he licensed the rights to him he likes the uh, <laughs> yeah he likes him as a director but he just said like oh well he missed the point completely and i don't really like his suspiria but sometimes i like you know that's like stephen king like every yeah movie that stephen king I, has directed has been terrible and every yeah. adaption has been so much better right <laughs> yeah because then he did not like the shining yeah, he doesn't like the, the shining but then like he likes both versions of pet cemetery um <laughs> Because he wrote one of them. like It's so funny, too, because I think that sometimes people maybe... And I'm a filmmaker, and I'm, I am guilty of this, too. Once you're like so in a piece of work, you can't see the forest through the trees. So like you're not actually the best judge of what the thing is about. Like yeah. I watched The Shining, and then I watched Dr. Sleep. And I think Stephen King either directed Dr. Sleep or wrote the screen or was like much more involved. And like, Dr., like The Shining is so simple because it's about you know, a haunted hotel where a father, like a kind of abusive father goes insane and tries to kill his family. Right. Mm-hmm. But like the book is not about that. The book is like about like a man's descent into madness. <laughs> no, not even the book. You know, the book is about like, there's like certain people who have powers and certain people who like eat the power. Oh yeah. The book is much more about the shining itself. Right. Yeah. And, and Dr. Sleep is about that. And it's not as, I don't think as successful a movie because uh. like, you're like, it's just like so. I mean, did you guys like it? Um, I prefer Doctor Sleep to The Shining, but I'm a Mike Flanagan really? fan. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I'm a Mike Flanagan no fan too. because yeah. I haven't seen Doctor Sleep. Okay, <laughs> I won't do spoilers, but it's just like it's so much more like plotty because like yeah, I think The Shining is much more viscerally effective. Yeah. Yeah. And. Which is funny because, like, this is actually much more plotty than, like, the original. But, like, <laughs> I think that, like, um, that my whole point is that I think often creators are not necessarily even the best judge of, like, what their creations are about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I've always said, like, as a gigantic Star Wars fan, I don't think George Lucas understands no. what's so great about <laughs> Star Wars. I agree. That's why I... I like someone like Dave Filoni making Star Wars stuff because he grew up loving Star Wars. So he understands what it's about. And then he has like the mentor relationship with George Lucas. So he has that side of it too. Yeah. Right, right, right. So he's like in the fold that has some distance. Yeah. Which is all to say, I hope that he makes a sequel to this movie. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. So I want to know what happens to Till Swinton. I know. Is she alive? Yeah, I just want her to play three she, more she characters. Chokers now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, say that again. You want to see her to play three more characters? Oh, I just want her to, yeah. She should, next one, four characters, actually. And you could do, you add one every sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, uh, where it gets to the point where it's only Tilda Swinton playing everyone. Yeah, that's like my ideal movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when you said she has to wear chokers from now on, I just imagine like E Girl till this one. Yeah, exactly. And now that image is burned into my brain. She's in like a Y2K halter and like a really <laughs> chunky necklace. Sort of like Sailor Moon hair. 
<laughs> Hell yeah. Shout out to T-Swift. Again, stop selling yeah. when you've already sold, man. Like, <laughs> save, it, save it for the pitch. You got you to gotta get a yeah. meeting, dude. <laughs> I know. I know. Maybe the universe will hear this and they'll be like, that's a great idea. We can only there hope. Go, <laughs> yeah. That's going to be your big breakout movie. Just Tilda Swinton and everything. Yeah. <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> You know, I took notes, but this movie's vibe is just like, nah. <laughs> I know. Uh, what, what's, because Leland said it's a hot take that he prefers this to the original. What's like people's opinions on this movie? Uh, this movie is super divisive. Um, uh-huh. uh, but I will say, like, even the people who seem to not like it uh, seem to really appreciate that it is so different and it really stands on its own. Um, I, I think in a lot of ways, this movie is a really good example of like how and why to do a remake, which is yeah, like taking the skeletal structure of something and making something almost completely different with it. Like this movie technically yeah. hits all of the same beats as the original right down to, we're going to hire a weird progressive music artist to do the soundtrack. But Tom York is very different than Goblin, and this movie's story is completely different from the original. Yeah, um, it, it reminds me of a way of like like the platonic ideal of like a remake I don't like is like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, but it does the same thing. Like it's not about the same things as that original movie. It isn't, you know, trying to be. It has its own unique visual style. You know, like I, I wish more remakes would do that. As opposed to like, yeah, you know, the Halloween remake, which I have mixed feelings about, but ultimately the second half of that movie is almost shot for shot the original. So like, what's the point? You know? Yeah. Or like the Psycho remake, which is like a shot for shot. Yeah. L- literally shot for shot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What were you trying to say with that? Even like, I I appreciate, but like, why? Like, <laughs> whereas this movie, I'm like, it justifies its own existence, whether or not you like it. It's like, what's the point? Yeah, I agree with you. What's interesting too is I think that like you know pre film pre even like plays to an extent like stories would kind of like evolve and change as they moved from like culture to culture and generation to generation, and I think that like in the best case remakes are sort of like the continuation of that tradition. Like obviously unlike in, in the past, the original exists, right. Cause it's on film, but like there is something I think very human in like wanting to retell a story and wanting to change it for like a new context. Yeah. And so I think that like this does that really successfully in a really like smart, smart way. I agree 100%. It's the reason I'm always, I always tell people like, you know, remakes, sequels, do as many as you want. Like there's that Raymond Chandler quote where somebody said like, are you mad that Hollywood has fucked up all your books? And he said, my books are still on that shelf. My books are fine. Yeah. Let them do whatever they want in adapting them. Well, you know, that's part of why, like, I don't quite understand why like Dario Argento is like, that's stupid. Why would you do this? I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, <laughs> Cause it, it's all, they're so different. You know, it's not like they're in the same canon. It's not like yeah. 
they're not even really in relationship to one another <laughs> other than they share the, the mm -hmm. same general premise or I mean structure and you know title but like if anything I think this makes his movie more relevant because suddenly you're like oh it's in relation to something else and yeah you, know, you can start comparing and contrasting. it gives you a whole new lens to it made me go rewatch it you know like yeah. and I as, as much as I enjoy the original I don't know that I would have started out and looked at it through a new lens i would have just maybe a few years from now rewatched and like hey, i saw a movie whereas like now yeah. i'm like well like you said like i i have to re-examine it almost yeah and I, I think i do prefer this one to the original like they're such different movies i don't know if i can say one is better or not yeah but i definitely prefer like this is the one i'm like when people ask me like oh do you like suspiria i'm gonna be like you're talking about the good one right <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i think that though i think that the argento one it it keeps you really distanced from all of the characters so you actually yeah. don't get to empathize with the protagonist and she doesn't have a lot of agency it's just like stuff is happening to, to her and like you know like zach was looking at pictures and he was like oh is this like a play or is it based on a play and it's not but it's kind of shot in that proscenium way so you're like you like never actually get close enough to her to like really invest in her or like know enough about her to invest in her. So it's just like, and I think what's her name? Jessica Harper is the actor and she's like pretty incredible. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention she's in this. So she's uh old man Swilton's uh, wife. Oh yeah. The she lead is. from right. the original Suspiria. Yeah. Um, Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry. <laughs> I just remembered that. I was like, Oh wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, this you really sort of like you spend a lot more close up time with Dakota Johnson. You sort of like understand her wants. You like get to know her a little bit more. So like it just feels like there's more to emotionally invest in, you know? Yeah. I think the most interesting read I've heard of the original Suspiria is that like it's a fairy tale and that includes all of the flaws that come with that style of storytelling which is it is someone telling us like this is the bad thing that happened to that person not who that person is right this movie is way more invested in who that person is and why the bad things happen yeah you know yeah i think that that's true that was such a beautiful discussion i, not <laughs> to I just love movies man <laughs> there's so much yeah. to talk yeah. about because well, <laughs> as, as you guys are talking about it i was like again to always bring back star wars uh like the sequels how everybody's mad that like the first one is like a shot for shot like retelling of like episode four and yeah. like matt you brought up a good point of like the originals are still there and at the end yeah. of the day those sequels got more people into star wars that weren't previously so who cares well yeah it's how i feel about the prequels now as like an adult not an angry teenager is i'm like <laughs> there's a bunch of people who like their first star wars movie was phantom menace and that's okay that was me. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was born '96, so I liked Phantom Menace. Phantom also. Menace is the best prequel. So, hot yeah. take, I know, but mm, I think so too. Which it's one's better when he rides the lizard sack? Yes, Matt. When Obi Wan doesn't have a mullet and a glorious beard, he does not have a mullet lizard. in Phantom Menace. He has a rat tail. <laughs> <laughs> You're not making your case any better, Matt. Damn it. <laughs>
I was also like a nerdy kid who I was like, ooh, this is about tax disputes. I love this. Like, what adventure? <laughs> <laughs> she's in a gown that she can't walk in. And she's talking about <laughs> concessions. Yes, please. Now I just want like a movie commentary of you watching Star Wars. All of the action figures I liked the most were the ones that were like bureaucrat and they like don't have really <laughs> complicated. So they're just like in little dresses. And I was like, I'm going to set them up in a board meeting. Um, <laughs> that's how I played with Star Wars action figures. Yeah, the but, right way. <laughs> yeah, the right way. Um, because the Phantom Menace sets all this stuff up. And then I think that he gets to the point about remakes. He got like cynical or scared and suddenly like took, tried to make them like he tried to make them more less uh, to our point about making remakes. I think the spirit of the first one is kind of similar where he was like, I'm taking the general premise and I'm doing something else. And then got so much pushback that then he was like, let me course correct. And you get this like weird, like non consistent like lumpy ride well yeah you wind up with the weird dark movie that isn't very good and the third one is like trying way too hard to be return of the jedi and like for kids and like look how colorful it is and i think phantom menace actually strikes a pretty good balance it's just not an entirely successful movie no it's not and yeah i agree with that I disagree with all of I, that. I'm really proud of us. We haven't done one George Lucas impression <laughs> yet. So, What do you mean? You can't do this podcast without Georgie Boy. He went to my school. Wait, what? He went to your school? Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, USC. Uh, for a split second, I was like, he went to school? Georgie Boy? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, Land. Are you actually an immortal witch too? Yeah, I'm. Al- <laughs> I'm also Suspiria. <laughs> uh, I googled Phantom Menace, and the first thing that auto filled was why is Phantom Menace so bad? A lot of reasons. Oh, no. um. <laughs> and then the second thing was why is Padme so much older than Anakin? <laughs> that is a question about the biggest part of that movie that has aged the worst. <laughs> She's not that much older. She's a 13 year old elected head of state. It's not silly. <laughs> well, Darth Maul has a double A lightsaber and does cool flips, so suck it. Yeah, Duel of the Fates. It might be the best Star Wars song. Come on. It and is the best yeah, Sarah song. That scene is great. I just wish that he had been around for the next two movies. Well, yeah. That back to my this is a Star Wars podcast now. Back to yeah. my point about <laughs> Dave Filoni. If you watch like the three D Clone Wars cartoon, which is canon, yeah, it makes the prequels better because they create so many relationships, especially between like Obi Wan and Anakin. Yeah, that's why like the third movie is my favorite and the best one because after watching that, it makes it so much better. I shouldn't have to do homework though. <laughs> I don't care, man. Watch it all. Get all the Star Wars you can. With Suspiria, I had to do homework. That's and fair. That's the second time I was like, oh, I understand a lot more what this movie is about having read these like 17 analyses. Of- yeah. Yeah, wait a second, Matt. Your whole job on this podcast is to do homework. Yeah, when I want to, I don't have to. <laughs> I wanted to, because I did a thing where um, I watched all of the like, in preparation for for Dune, because I really like Dune and I read all the books, I watched all I watched the David Lynch movie and then I watched all of the um, 
sci-fi late 90s uh, miniseries and then I watched Jodorowsky's Dune and I wanted to do something similar for Star Wars where I like watched all of the canon material in order so like you know the cartoons take a break from the cartoon watch live action heck yeah watch more cartoons watch the second one because I think that they have done a good job of being like ooh, here are some big story holes and some big character holes that we got to go in and like (laughs) lift up a little bit and so I'm really mm-hmm. curious what that experience is. Because I know that, like, Queen Amidala, there's a lot more clarity around her and what she's all about and, like, how she factors into everything. And so, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, because uh, I, I did that with my wife because she had never seen the cartoons. So I did that whole drink because, like, we started with episode one and, like, I was reading the books in between. And... A lot of people hate Disney for erasing all the old legacy stuff, yeah. but that stuff was a mess. Yeah, it was a I mess. grew up with it, but it was a mess. So it was a good thing. And all the things that they kept canon are straightforward now. You know, like what to do, and it all makes that, sense. And like everyone was like, all of that was canon. And I was like, was it? Because like <laughs> it constantly contradicts itself. And George Lucas is like, I think most of it's dumb. Mm. Because <laughs> you know what they did? They would just franchise out. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like writers would be like, I want to write a series mm-hmm. in the universe. And he'd be like, okay, go nuts. Like, pay me the percentage of what book sales are and like have at it, which is why you have all these weird things because you have like seven or eight, or eight authors being, yeah. like, Emperor Palpatine is a mushroom. No, actually, <laughs> his grandson melts in a volcano. No, actually, and then like, you know, so I agree with you. I think that it's sort of silly that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now at Lucasfilm, they have like Their a guy, guy dedicated yeah. to, yeah. And like Dave Filoni serves that purpose too. Like him on the set of the Mandalorian was like just a historian of star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I wish they had had someone like him on set instead of just a lore guy, like a story lore guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> Because those th- those three movies like don't tie into each other. Like, even though one director directed two of them, those two don't tie together like at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, episode nine, the whole plot about like Exegol and the Emperor stuff, they made comics after the fact to try yeah. to make that canon. They did a whole Fortnite like... thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fortnite is you know, I really like Star how Wars. relevant we're keeping this to us. Once Star Wars stops, it's true. It's true. You can't put a bunch of nerds in a room together and be like, don't talk about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> we frequent. I want a Suspiria cinematic universe because I think that you know, like, have three witches. They all have like different covens, like tears, size, like. That's cool. We got to find out who made those hook things a thing, right? I, we, yeah. need a, we need at least two prequels about that cinematic universe. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, because I was even watching it. I was like, oh, so like obviously they get their magic from dancing. And I bet when the, like in olden times they had like big groups, but now they have to have small groups, which is why they have to moonlight as a dance academy. So they can like, you know, like sort of like parasite off the dancing tower from these girls like i sort of i saw the whole thing (laughs) i just want you to describe like every movie to me like you're way better at this than us (laughs) 
Yeah, just new segment. Luthen comes yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we're about at an hour, so any final thoughts on the movie, Leland? No, I, I think that um, I liked it as much the second time as I liked it the first time, which is rare. Um, yeah, I thought I loved it. And I like Dakota Johnson so much. I think she's great. I, I think this might be the first thing I've seen her in. Yeah. I can't think of anything else I've seen her in. Yeah, I think she's going to be one of those actors to watch the same way that... Uh, uh, the Twilight people have all been like now that they're free of their franchises, they're way more interesting. Yeah. Now she's made all that Fifty Shades of Grey money, and she's like, I can do whatever I want now. Yeah, exactly. So she's just gonna make weird movies like Suspiria, and I love that. Yeah. Uh, Matt, final thoughts on the movie? I really love this movie. Uh, I'm already like already my brain is buzzing with like thinking about it. It's gonna be that way for like three days again. Yeah. Uh, just like wow, that one scene. And I'm going to go drive around and listen to that Tom York soundtrack. So, <laughs> Zach. I'm just still thinking about the Hamburglar. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yep. I thought you were at least just going to, like, make a joke about Star Wars or oh, something. I'm thinking about that, too. <laughs> I've only got so much space in this game, man, brains. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it was a movie um cool <laughs> thank you for coming on leland yeah of it was, was so much fun yeah it's a great time all your explanations of things were beautiful and eloquent okay and uh you brought great insight um yeah. so where can people find you where do you want people to look at your stuff yeah i would say I have a website where a lot of it's at, which is leland-montgomery.com. But then um, my my short, which is very much like Suspiria, is called Black Cat in a Dark Room. And it's on Alter, which is like a, a horror YouTube channel. And they're pretty cool. They have like, I think, 1.2 million subscribers and have like a bunch of really great shorts. So um, I would point folks there probably. Yeah, go watch that. Go watch yeah. it right now. <laughs> All right, Matt, where can everyone find you? Oh, uh, well, you can find me on everything from Instagram to OnlyFans as uh, I draw paintings. Oh. Um, <laughs> That's a much better branded face than what I did. <laughs> and Zach, where can everyone I'm find Zach, you? Zach Shirk on Instagram and Zach underscore Shirk on Twitter. And on that note, a man named Dan Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.